You're listening to Resident Advisors Exchange. I'm Martha. Thank you for joining us. On this week's episode, we welcome back Helena Starr, who spent some time with Cakes the Killer. My album, my sophomore album, is geared to be out in the fall. Okay. So I'm just working on that, but... That's soon. Yeah, you know, I'm not getting any younger, darling. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? but yeah, sonically, the music, I would say it's like moody dance music, if anything. It's a lot of like nice. jazz influence on it and house music on it. I, it's basically, a, it's about a breakup, but in a K-hole. That's what I would describe <laughs> it as. That's how I've been describing it, you know? <laughs> as a leading figure of the queer hip-hop explosion in New York that began in 2011, Cakes the Killer has helped push the acceptance of openly gay artists in rap. His understanding and appreciation of club culture and electronic music contribute to Cakes' unique persona. He's just dropped a remix EP of his latest mixtape, Volume 2 in the Motherland series. As you are about to hear, Cakes spoke to Helena about this latest tape about his experience of appearing on the reality show Rhythm and Flow on Netflix and about the art of performance. I hope that you have a wonderful listen to Cakes the Killer on RA's Exchange. Sorry for the lack of video. I'm so hungover from yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely fine. Don't you worry. If you would have did the interview yesterday, you would have saw the cuteness. Now today, it's, it's no cuteness. Oh, I missed the cuteness. You missed the cuteness. <laughs> that was my I fault. I'm so sorry. I did a show, I did a show with yesterday, so I'm like, I'm, I'm oh. still sloshed. <laughs> Where was that? Um, The show yesterday? It was at Brooklyn Steel. Amazing. How did it go? You know, like a firework, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like a firework. I mean, that's not a bad thing, right? Yeah. But yeah, but the aftermath is, yeah, now I'm, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> that's it for now. You're like, okay, I, we had a good time, yeah. but I need to and, like have a second. And it's raining now, so it looks like London. So now I'm like, I'm not getting out of bed. It is raining here also. I mean, like you said, nonstop. It's just nonstop. Right. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for actually doing this with me. No problem. Um, I guess the first place I want to start with is how you've been doing this past 18 months. It's a very cliche thing to talk about, but now you have been able to get back into your creative haven, if you, if right. you will. How, how has that been? How has that adjustment been? What's it been like for you? Well, for the past 18 months, I think it was a transition from me having to work a regular job to me yeah. being reintroduced to my um, creative work life. Because mm. for the majority of my adult life, I was a working artist. So I've never had to work a job before since college. Wow. So that would be the that's the biggest transition, I think, was like getting a job and then transitioning out of um, the nine to five life. Cause I had to like, yeah. really be like, for the majority of your adult life, you were like a freelancer and independent, but I got kind of scared. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I got used to just the stability of like getting a check every two weeks. Mm. And then I had to realize I was like, but this check is like, not even <laughs> like, you know, so that was the <laughs> biggest thing. But 
and just also just being like really just um i think i've been the most productive in the past 18 months right. so it's like i wrote a i wrote and filmed a, a short movie i put out um two eps i'm working on dropping my sophomore album so i just you know it's like it's like dreary times but mm. also like productive times if that makes sense of course i feel like actually speaking to different artists it was either the feeling super productive or not productive at all but you you right. you went into it you're like right i've got this time to be able to kind of express myself and find all these things to do um right that's amazing and i was i mean let's cut right to the short that you created which mm-hmm. is amazing Vis- visibility sucks um mm-hmm. and it's a bit of a masterpiece i have to say i uh, i watched it and i was completely entranced um but for those who haven't seen it yet or will hopefully watch it after this conversation could you tell us a bit about what that is and how it came t- into fruition um so basically i got a grant from vfiles they have a vfiles lab program that gives um the winners um ten thousand dollars to do a project of their choice and wow. originally i had the idea i was like oh, i'll just invest that money into just you know like finishing off my album or like making a music video but me always being ambitious and doing the most i'm like actually i'm just gonna make a short film <laughs> you know because <laughs> i felt like you know which is like such a fucking headache even you know during COVID. but i don't know i just wanted to do something using another side of my brain you know i just mm. didn't want to do like the cliche thing so I wrote a, a script about just an artist who's dealing with transitioning as far as like just adulthood or dealing with the transition of being in one place to another. Mm. So it's a, it's, a, it's a figure that goes from being a superstar to working in a grocery store. And I just felt like the story was very relatable because that's what a lot of people deal mm. with. I think a lot of the times with Instagram, people put on a lot of like um, fronts about their life. But I think we all were affected by COVID, but I don't yeah. feel like anyone is really talking about it. You know, mm. like I like I don't think anyone is really like. I think we we haven't come out of it yet, so people are still like constantly sure. gagging. So, I just wanted to make a piece that talked about, you know, just people dealing with you know just life. For sure, and had film or and I know your music videos are a big part of your creative self too but had had film right. always been an interest for you um no not necessarily i think writing has always been a big interest to me because you know yeah. I, I write all my own music and i do write all my own treatments so for me i just thought instead of taking the grant money and just you know just recording a new project or making a music video i thought i would sh- just show another side of my creativity so that's why mm-hmm. I decided to write the script and it's been received pretty well. I think a lot of people um, were um, really like, oh, what's the word? They were just like, wow, that, that was actually good. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm <laughs> so I think, you know, I think, I think they were, they were impressed. So I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm flattered and you know, yeah. I mean, it, it, like I said, it was really impressive. It was kind of like a, a New York musical, like it was, it was a whole thing. And right. Well, well, not New York. It's, it's more of a, 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 a off Broadway Bushwick moment. If we say, okay, anything. <laughs> yeah, if we say anything, but yeah, I mean, nice. I, I'm happy with it. I'm happy with it. And there was there was poetry in there, and mm-hmm. and voicemails. Were they all personal to you, or were they just from uh, from creating this? 
No, the 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 voicemail of my niece was um organic. That actually happened. Oh, I love that. Um uh, my mom, my mom, that was something that we recorded for my album. And yeah. I just told her I wanted her to leave me um just a message. And so she recorded that and you know, moms are gonna be dramatic. So <laughs> So yeah, nothing nothing that was those are, I think those are the only two things that weren't um pre I didn't write those. So okay. yeah. Well, I mean, if anyone who is listening has not seen it, then I implore them to do so. Yeah, please get those views up. Yeah, I think it's going to be one of those things. I think it's going to be one of those things. If I die, everyone's going to start watching it. It's going to be great. So that's why I'm just like, <laughs> you know, but I think with work as a, as an artist, I think my main thing is just, just do the work and then yeah. move on. So I don't really, but I, I'm, I'm always happy when someone just tells me they enjoy it. So, so thank you. Of course. No, I feel like, what you just mentioned then it is a bit of your it's like your legacy you know and those right. things that you leave behind or that you create on your journey they'll be there forever mm-hmm. so um, yeah what, what i think that's the have? thing especially with social media people get so caught up in like how many likes does this have how many commas yeah. does this have and i'm just like if you just you just it's just a work exactly that's what it should be about right and like you said i think people get lost in this well, I can I can see how people get lost in this industry and in this right. in this game, right? It's easy to slip into those patterns, but mm-hmm. it all comes down to the work, which you definitely do. <laughs> I try. I got to pay my bills, you know. <laughs> and talking about the work, um, your music is a beautiful fusion and blend of hip hop, house, electronic music. Had you? And actually, okay, I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna take it all the way back. Um, talk to us about the beginning of your journey in making music. I read that it right. started in college, but I mean that could right. Tell me, tell me more. Okay, so I started making. Well, me making music wasn't like me making music. Like it wasn't mm. like I decided one day I was gonna be a recording artist. I would just. Um, you know, very cliche. I started writing poetry young. So it was like, I always had like a affinity for like words and blah, blah, yeah. blah, but I never wanted to become a recording artist. You also have to keep in mind when I was like growing up to be a feminine and gay and be a musician as sure. a black person, there wasn't any, if it like, it was only RuPaul. So yeah. it was like, I knew I didn't want to be a drag queen. So I was like, there was no like foreseeable no space. So I was like, yeah, there was no space. It didn't make sense. So it was just like, oh, this is something I just do for fun. So it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to be a musician or an artist. So I would um, record myself on um, Facebook when I was in college just to, like, make my friends laugh. Like, I would make songs just to make them laugh. And someone had seen one of the videos, and he was putting together a compilation um project with a bunch of artists and he was like oh I would love to record you like you should come so that's how my recording career started but it was mm-hmm. never um like a, a thought in my mind like oh this is something I could do right but once I started recording and you know making my way to New York more as an adult I realized that this was like a really creative way for me to get into nightlife because mm-hmm. I've always been really really like um enthralled in like nightlife and you know like you know, like just anything that has to do with nightlife, whether it's like curating parties, DJs, like the fashion. So that I always looked at making music as my entry point to become like a figure in nightlife. But it wasn't until I started like touring and getting paid, I was like, oh, actually I am 
I am an artist, you know? So that's kind of how it came to fruition. So you, you were just doing it. You were, you were in it and then you were like, oh, okay, I'm actually here. This yeah, is, be, yeah, this is what I do now. I, yeah, because when I started making music, it wasn't necessarily like, you know, we. I, I was just making music to just get entry in the club and get some drink tickets. Like It wasn't <laughs> like, it wasn't about like money or anything. And then the media kind of made it a big thing because at that time there was a lot of us who was, in New York at the time, like me, Mickey Blanco, Leaf, um, Zebra Cat, Tasla Doja, we were all like very out black, you know, yeah. people that were making like music. So the media kind of made it a thing. So that would kind of push the traction, you know, mm. and gave us the opportunity to like tour and do a lot of things. But I don't think any of us really thought anything of it. We were just being, you know, functioning alcoholics. <laughs> you know what I'm to say? Like, I don't. I don't want to speak for them, but I don't. Yeah, I think we were just being like, I whether You're the media fun. Not, whether, before the if the media didn't pick it up or not, I think we were still just been making art, you know. So yeah. And talk to me a bit about that introduction to nightlife. You just mentioned then mm. your your love for it, and that's kind of what started right. this process. Do you remember your first uh, like memory going into a club and being like, "This is my place." I don't remember my first memory of going into a club, but I remember the first time I ever discovered nightlife. It was probably like watching uh, one of those talk shows and they had like the club kids on. So this is like really back oh, in the day. So I must've wow. been really, I must've been really young. Like, you know, like watching like Geraldo or one of those like Jimmy Jones type shows and just being like, seeing like creative people that were outside of the people that lived where I lived. Mm. But they were so, like, affirmed in themselves. And they were just like, yeah, we just, you know, we throw parties, we go out, and we get paid to do this. And something in my mind as a child was like, oh, that's what I'm going to do. Like, you know, <laughs> like, I don't want to live, like, you know, yeah, just the, the nine-to-five lifestyle is just not my, that's just not my narrative. And I was just like, that. that's what I'm going to do. So, mm. but I don't remember the first club I've been to. I feel like even when I was young, my aunt would take me out to parties. So partying and, you know, communing as, you know, people has always been a part of my story. I think, yeah. you know, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be in a club. It could be in a park. It could be at a church. You know, I just think that communal moment of people mm. sharing energy is really, really important. Super special. And I think, right. I mean, this pandemic has shown that right just how important right. those communities it, it shows how, how how thirsty people are for it you know really and that's why i mean a great place to be a great industry to be working in right <laughs> oh it has it has its moments too <laughs> mm -hmm, right it, 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 it could go out of, it could get real dodgy really quickly but you know that all, that's life exactly for sure and talking about the music which you make now um, where do you think those those early influences came from? I know you just mentioned nightlife and clubbing and stuff, but mm -hmm. do you remember listening to music growing up that you were again that you really really vibed to, or what was the sound in your in your yeah. home? I mean, I've always listened to different kinds of music. Um, I think what kind of happened with my career when the media put um, the gay hip hop label on me, right. it kind of put the pressure on me to like conform in a way yeah. even though me aesthetically I was not conforming because it was like I was always going to be outspoken about being gay and being mm. effeminate and being you know uh, not not in shape like you know like all those type of things I was always going to be 
outspoken about but then I also was like I have to be mindful of the art form so it was like right you know me being a child of the 90s I'm like well if I'm gonna be a rapper regardless of all that I still have to like rap like I have to like respect that art form yeah and and what it did is, is kind of like put me in a it put me in a box in a box in a way because it was like I was not tapping into the full um my full like creativity in a way because I was yeah. like what what could I do that like Ebro is gonna like or what could I do that's gonna give me the Vlad interview like all those things that like I was doing and it got to the point where it was like oh shit like now people just think I'm like a caricature of myself right. so for me with the newer projects a lot of people think it's like oh you discovered house music now we're like and I'm like no it, it's always been there it was just mm. you know I, I didn't I didn't show you guys you know so that's why I think the the new EPs are the most, um, they remind me of my earlier work because it's not about like what I think people expect from me. It's mainly just about what the fuck I want to do. So, but yeah, like one of my favorite groups are Delight. Like, you know, like, like it's always those type of influences have always been there. I just, it just, I took a yeah. while to show people. Was, was there a moment when you were, so you started out rapping, is that right? right. And then were you like oh these two don't go together like the house and the rap or was that just like a, a natural fusion for you that you um just, it just I sat i think it started i think it started off where i didn't want to sound like anyone else but right. then it also was me being this um queer character maneuvering in these spaces i didn't want i already knew that well maybe i knew or i felt that people were going to cut me down for other things but i didn't want the my talent to be one of the things so a lot of people could say what they want about me but you know they, yeah. a lot of people can say that I don't know how to rap so that was my main thing it was like I had to like rap and every the beats had to be fast and it had to be like boom, 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 boom. <laughs> but I think a lot of the times that was just me being guarded yeah. and I could um speak about that like when I did the reality show rhythm and flow I was very like I have to come in here and I have to just be on my shit and the climate has changed so much because everybody on the show, they're, they're like a lot younger than me. And they were just like, oh, you're great. Like, we don't care that you're gay. And I'm just like, oh, the world has changed, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, so. How, how did that go? How did doing a reality show go? Well, people have asked me to do reality shows, like, for the the later part of my career, I, I like, a lot. Like, I have a lot really? of requests to get on reality shows. And for me, I've always, like, if it doesn't, water the work I don't want to do it because it's yeah. like you could do a reality show and end up completely just batshit crazy and I'm like if I'm gonna go crazy it gotta be worth it um <laughs> so but that show I thought it was cute I knew I wasn't gonna be on there long and I just knew I was just like it's it's just something that I just needed like a little resurgence so for me it was it, it was just me on a reality show you know yeah and did you make friends from it yeah I did um I got um I, I was familiar with Sasha Go Hard and me and her kind of clicked on the show. Um, but you know me, like I, a lot of those kids, like they, they were like younger. It was like yeah. people like who've never been to LA before. They were just like, right. and me, I was just like, yeah, I was like, get me out, get me out there. Let me, <laughs> let me see if I can get a gig. I was trying to work during the reality show. They were like, you can't do a show. I'm like, why not? I'm already here. <laughs> like, you know, so, but I think overall the experience was cute, but I'm happy I got out when I got out because I couldn't, I couldn't commit to that. Like, I would just be like, no, this is too much. 
Yeah. I mean, it, how long would the process be? Like months, right? No, no, no. That These shows are like quick turnover time. I think they probably felt for maybe like two weeks. If oh any my month. gosh. Yeah, like it's in and out. <laughs> and then they get aired over two months. Yeah, and, and, then, and then they start on the next season. So it's very like, um, like a sweatshop kind of, you know. Yeah, that's fast paced. Um, and I, I, just a moment ago, you mentioned your new sound and the new mu- music that you're releasing to the world with us and releasing right. through the wonderful He, She, They. Um, mm-hmm. How did that relationship come, come about as well? I, I read something somewhere, but I'd love to hear from you. Um, so yeah, so with the first EP, uh, Motherland Volume 1, we put that out with Classic, which is a sub-label from Defected, and that got a lot of good traction yeah. based on, like, a single Don Dada. So with the second one, we decided to just shift gears and go with a different label just to see, like, we just wanted the music to be with as many people as possible. So yeah. that came about through the producer, Proper Villains, who was a producer that I collaborated with on the project. So he had that plug because I wasn't really familiar with Ishii Day until then. And they're like a great um, label to work with. And they do a lot of programming in London mm. and, you know, like even in New York. So it was kind of a no brainer. But for me, I'm just like, it was just a mixtape. And I was just like, let's whoever wants to put the shit out, just put it out. <laughs> like, you, know? <laughs> you know, I'm just like, yeah, because it's like with the with this whole Motherland series, it was like something we put together when COVID was really getting crazy. So I didn't think I just wanted to do something as like a commercial break before I dropped my sophomore album. But the material took off and a lot of people gravitated towards it. So that's why we ended up doing the second volume. So this wasn't even necessarily supposed to come out, but you're like, actually, let's let's give this to the world. It it kind of just started off as me, like me and Proper Villains recorded like maybe like one song, and then I was like, oh, okay, like we should just we should just do something like small, yeah, just to like give out because I'm from the era of like you know like SoundCloud and you know you just you just put something out yeah. just to have somebody listen to it. But I think uh, at that time during COVID, a lot of people were like really like hungry to just have like moments because it was like people were throwing illegal parties and you know you could go to bars and you couldn't dance you had to sit Mm. down so it was like people just wanted to hear something so for me because at the time a lot of people were like why are you releasing this upbeat music if no one is like clubs are closed and i'm like people are still throwing parties in their kitchen like you know what i'm saying i'm not gonna like exactly be what was me so that's kind of what that series was about you know we needed some high energy stuff i feel like that's what got me through it you know listening to music that reminded me of the club or reminded me of yeah, having and I'm like, fun. Why the fuck would I rent studio time to be sitting there crying in the booth for two hours? Like, I'm not going to do that. Like, was, Some like, really like, sad bars. Yeah, like, really, like, <laughs> woe is me moments. Like, no, I think, like, music is escapism. So I was just like, yeah. come on, let's just act like we're in a party at your house, you know? For sure. And is there an audience who you feel like you're talking to in your music or is it for everyone? No, and I think that that's always been my, like, downfall. It's like I I never was able to pinpoint a demographic. I think when you're operating on the fringe of so many things, it's like nightlife, Black, gay, talent. You know, you can't really, like, pinpoint something. Because even I remember when I was, like, younger as an artist, I would go to shows and do, like, gigs at, like, South by Southwest. Mm. And I would look at the crowd and it was just, like, they weren't all black. They weren't all gay, you know? And it was just like, I've had like straight couples coming to me like, 
we drove to come see you. And I'm just like, <laughs> really? So it's like, I really don't. But I also think that just, that's also fine, too. It's just like I just yeah. put out the work and it just affects who it needs to affect, you know? hundred percent. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a headache for label. Everyone is like, what's your target market? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. Everyone. <laughs> I mean, you know, the people that get it. Exactly. Smart people. Smart people. That's, my ta- that's, that's my target market. And they're the only people you want to listen to it. They're the people we want involved, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and performance wise, um, do, you, do you enjoy performing? Is that an element of yeah, perf- what you do? Yeah, I, you I'm, love it? I'm such a, I'm such a good performer. <laughs> I'm such a good performer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think, I think um, yeah, I mean, I love, I love writing. Yeah. I love recording is my least favorite but i do i record really quickly why is it your um, least favorite performing is always the best because it's the it's like the conversation between me and someone else yeah. so yeah performing is just like that's what keeps me going yeah because a lot of the times it's like what am i doing or what's going on and then you just do a show and you're like oh this is this is what all that work this is what uncertainty is about, like just one moment, like on stage mm. with a crowd, you know. Have you always performed or is that something that came after the recording of music? Well, I'm a homosexual, so I've always been performing. <laughs> but I think I think I think I think everyone performs in life. Yeah. It's just some people just do it a little a little louder than others. Some people do it on stage. <laughs> some people do it on stage and someone, you know, everybody's always, we're, we're, we're always acting. Something is always going on. But it's true. Yeah. For, for me, it, it started with like theater. It started with, you know, even having loud, obnoxious conversations. You know, it's just always, it. it's just, I just now put it to music. That's why a lot of my shows, it's not like a typical rap hip hop yeah. show it's it's kind of like it's a little bit of comedy it's a little bit you know it's a, it's 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 a little bit of everything it's more conversational you know i like that but there is a lot of a lot of wit um to your lyrics as well um yeah it's thank wh- you it's it's you know i'm very tongue in cheek yeah yeah i love that though and i think we need a bit more of that in the world in general especially in music right. Um, but how, how do you begin what's your process like do you have like topics in your mind that you want to talk about or is it like when you're walking down the street and you're like that would be fun to talk about I'll write that down it depends it could be it, it, it could be it could be all that like sometimes it's like already pre pre-topic sometimes the beat tells me what to say or okay it, it just or sometimes I just I just have already like words down and I'm just like just give me a beat that makes sense for it so it, it really it really depends and how did you your relationship with um, proper villains? How how did that come about? Had you been friends before? That was kind of just a a, a nightlife connection, like nice. just maneuvering through different scenes and just we 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 done one off like tracks here and there. But during uh, COVID, that's when he was he would send me these beats, and I was like, oh, we could just all just put this together and just do like a throwaway, and the throwaway actually became like a mixtape series. So you just you met through the nightlife industry or, or like being out yeah. and about, and you're like, we should work together. It like it fits. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, uh, the the black effeminate gay guy and the the much older Jewish man. I don't, you know, we, we didn't meet in a coffee shop. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's he's been a D, he's been a DJ and a producer for a while. So you know, yeah. but that's that's just industry. You know, people, you know, paths cross. You know, yeah, for sure. And actually, something which you mentioned earlier, which. Um, I had written something about, but was you're mentioning the media kind of 
putting you out there as a queer artist, a queer rap artist. And the one I was actually talking about was an Astitude mag from 2017, I think it was. And oh God. <laughs> they said they said you God's were <laughs> leading the gay generation, the new gay generation um, uh-huh. of rap and and stuff. But I kind of I kind of I was like. I read it and I fa- it felt funny reading it. And when you said that, I was like, okay, that's not what you necessarily wanted to put out to the world? Or was that just you being like, okay, what was this about? See, the, the thing about it was, it wasn't, my my identity yeah. can't be hidden. Like, yeah. I can't hide the fact that I'm gay the same way I can't hide yeah. the, the fact that I'm black. So it wasn't about that. It just became to the point where the media kept regurgitating the same headline For over sure. and over and over again. So it got to the point where it was like, it eclipsed the music yeah. in a sense. Cause like I just told you, it's like, yes, I am gay and black, but it's also like my people that gravitate towards my music are not just gay and black. For sure. So it became this moment where they wanted to make, they wanted to make a subgenre mm. in hip hop. And it's just like, no, this is just, rap music it's, like you it's know it's just hip-hop matter, so. yeah exactly yeah but you know as a young artist um you just wanted to you you want to just talk to journalists and get your message out there so it's like it kind of kept going but after four years of it you're like could i just be an artist like yeah. you know what i'm saying like it's like we get it so yeah, yeah exactly that that you are an artist first and foremost those things are part of who right. you are but that's not the... and i still i still have those i still have the same conversations i've been doing this for over 10 years yeah. and it's still like the washington post is like what do you feel about homophobia and hip-hop and i'm like are we serious like it's like I, at this point i'm pansexual i don't want to talk about it like, I don't, you know <laughs> ask someone else you know so i was actually do you feel like we are going in the right direction with or in terms of like in terms of inclusion and not having to have these conversations so often or do you feel like when this... you say we who are you talking about when you say we? <laughs> i'm talking about we as in like the black community and also the black queer community. Right. I think the newer generation are way more open and receptive to just, you know, like losing labels right. or getting specific labels. So I think there's definitely a shift in the younger generation. What the media is doing to me, I think a lot of times it's very performative because it's okay. like, you know, even looking at ads, it's like, well, we need to get a black one. They have to be fat. <laughs> we need to get this trans one. We need to have a man. Like, it's very like, yeah. it's like, you know, when you maneuver through media, it's like, I know it's performative. It's not. That's a lot not of inclusion. It's not, very genuine. Yeah. it's not, you know, and especially, it, it, and it's so bad to the point where like, even when I curate events, I'm like, okay, I want to get this one to DJ. He's white and a male. And everyone is like, how could you hire a white male DJ? And I'm like, okay, now we're to the point where it's just like, you're being like performative inclusion where it's yeah. just like you're actually being more more fierce than like it's like you're ticking on the role mm. of the people that we're trying to like you know evolve from like yeah. you know like so and i've i speak to that because i've experienced even through my career when i started you know growing out my facial hair people right. are like why are you trying to be straight passing now and i'm like what the fuck are you, you what does that I'm mean <laughs> Yeah, what does that even mean? So that's why I feel like people take a lot of things too seriously. And I feel like sometimes in the fight to get, you know, visibility or to get, you know, just respect in general, people become like 
oppressors yeah. in a sense, you know? So, For sure. so yeah, all that shit. I'm like, I'm, I'm just happy to be on the planet. Let's just say that. We just have to be here. We're, we've made it through. We're just happy to be here. <laughs> the pandemic, right? okay? Voting for everybody, voting for everybody queer, voting for everybody black. But I'm just like, all, a lot of that shit, I'm like, it's bullshit. I don't want to see ads that are performative. I don't want to yeah. see clubs that are safe spaces because there's no such thing as a safe space. Exist. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, because you can, queer on queer violence is very real. Mm-hmm. Like, let's not, you know, this is not, if, if we're going to talk about it, let's talk about the full scope of what's going on For and sure. let's not make it seem like, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's the reality that I operate on. I completely agree. And I feel like, I mean, again, from the scenes we were seeing across the world in June last year, I feel like we there's been right. this progression, but also this, like you said, just so much performative action that yeah. it becomes almost harmful to just say, we're, we're, yeah. look at this I, brown person on the front cover. I mean, right. I could even think think about it. That's like, oh my God, I, I got a song mastered for free because all the white people at one time were like, any black artist needs any work done, please send it to me. We'll, we'll get it done. That was like for a, a month, you know what I'm saying? But it's like that energy has Where are they now? Think about all, <laughs> uh, think about all those lineups, all the yeah. festivals. They want it to be so inclusive. Yeah. Those festivals still look just as white as they were before. Mm. So I'm like, I don't, I don't really operate on the performative frequency. Like I'm like, <laughs> either be about it or don't. We hear about the like, real I don't work. Like wasting my breath. Yeah, we hear about the real work. Yeah. You know? And talking about festivals, actually, um, I saw that you were coming over to London. Yeah. Next week. Yeah, we're doing um body movements. Yes. Oh my god, yes. body movement. Mind you, I'm just gagging. I gotta talk to my agent about all that because traveling now is such a bitch. Yeah. Oh god. But yeah, I cannot wait to go back to London. It's been so long. I need a, G- a GNT. I need to go to Lazy Oaf. I need to go to Lazy yes. Oaf and give me a nice little dress to throw on. Like I, it's been so long, but I'm I'm super excited. Uh-huh. London has always shown me like love throughout my whole career. And how long are you going to be in London for? Is it a short time or are you going to stay for I a bit? Think, yes, in and out. And I'm so over it. <laughs> Mind you, that's my, my birthday is the 12th. So I'm like, should I stay longer? But I, I think I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a just give you guys a little appetizer and I'm going to come back. An appetizer. <laughs> well, I'll be there. I'm going right. to be at Body Movement. Definitely. If you need guest lists, hit me up. Oh. Hit me up before. I bought a ticket. I'm supporting. I'm supporting loud and okay, clear. Okay, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, you know, I don't, I don't get paid by the door anymore. So the fee is already set. So I'm like... <laughs> I love how it was like, I'm a support. I'm like, that's just going to the venue. But also, yeah. yes, keep the venue alive too. That's it. That's it. Exactly, exactly. That's it. And I'll be buying right. drinks to help out, you know, just helping out for the yeah, course. Yeah, right. Thank you. Me, me too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> and in terms of music that you are making now, are you having a moment to just sit and relish in the stuff that you've made? Or are you always continuing to, put, uh, to be in the studio? Well, I'm always working, but not necessarily on music. That's the kind of how the short film came about. Yeah. But my album, my sophomore album was already um, kind of finalized before I released the two EPs, right. Motherland Volume 1 and Volume 2. So, But because COVID kind of like fucked up the release of things, that's why I was like, oh, I don't want to put out a full body of work. Okay. It, it can't be received the right way. So that's why I was like, oh, I'll just drop a mixtape and it'll be like fun. But then the mixtape got traction and then it became like, oh shit, I have to put out another volume of the mixtape. So that's <laughs> kind of what the release, you know, happened. But mm. my album, my sophomore album is geared to be out in the fall. Okay. So I'm just working on that. But that's sonically, the music is... Yeah, you know, I'm not getting any younger, darling. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, sonically, the music 
you know, it's it's kind of, I would say it's like moody dance music, if anything. It's a lot of like nice. jazz influence on it and house music on it. I, it's basically, a, it's about a breakup, but in a K-hole. That's what I would describe <laughs> it as. That's how I've been describing it, you know? <laughs> That's the journey we're going to yeah. go through. <laughs> yeah, From you breakup to K-hole you know? or opposite way around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Br- breaking up in a K-hole, K-hole post-break whatever you want all of it <laughs> yeah and will we see features on it are you working with proper villains again is it do you do, you do the production no, no. too this... no i should fucking start that out that'll, that'll cut off the fucking middleman <laughs> <laughs> but no no this this whole project i collaborated with someone that i first started recording music with oh wow um he's a producer that goes, goes by wildcats so he did a lot of my um a lot of my earlier work yeah. that were on a couple of my first projects. But yeah, he did all the production. Me and him collaborated on it like really, really tight. So we've been working on this for maybe a little close to three years. He played wow. like live um, percussion on it. So yeah, it's really like, it's our it's our baby. So yeah. That's amazing. Um, and I mean, I mentioned this briefly before, but your process when making music, so it kind of just comes as and when. Is this album... Uh, did, did it all come quite close together or was is this been like bits and bobs from throughout it the years no it kind of i don't i don't work like that like it wasn't like this daunting thing yeah. of like drawing it out the only thing that kind of fucked it up was of covid yeah. and just like the like people having weird release schedules but for me it was already like uh, open and shut kind of case mm. but because we've been sitting on the material for so long i've um I was like, okay, let's like freshen it up a little bit. And then I collaborated with a rapper named Seven, who's a um Yes. I don't want to call him a gay a gay rapper, but you know, he he's gay. Anyway. He's a rapper who's <laughs> gay. <laughs> I, he, he, yeah, he's a rapper who happens to be gay. And so I collaborated with him on a newer record because I just wanted to add some yeah. energy to it. But no, it's it's been done for a while. It was just about figuring out what label was going to put it out and what was going to make sense. Amazing. Um, and so that's the music side of things. And obviously with that comes a performance, apart from what you have happening right. in London, um, what else do you have coming up or happening? Whatever what, whatever falls into my lap, darling. You know, <laughs> with these damn shows, it's like, I don't, you know, we have to be mindful as, you know, nightlife um, workers and yeah. also as curators. It's like, we don't want to put people's, you know, life and health at jeopardy, For but sure. we also have to work. So I've just been doing, you know, one-offs here. I don't think I'm going to go on tour anytime soon, but, you know, some artists are touring, but it's just it's just really hard maneuvering with just, you know, mm. different COVID restrictions and, you know, so just catch a bitch when you can. That's what I say, you know. <laughs> Just waiting to see what happens, and like you said, I mean, yeah, I'm 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 waiting in the wings right now. <laughs> it's, it's a weird climate, it really is. So you've got to kind of yeah, it is. Oh, fine. How is it in London? Is it like because you guys at first were doing really good, and then you guys started doing really bad? So yeah. how, how is it now? London is. I mean, in terms of events, we have had a full. Well, from like July until now, it's been every right. weekend, all of the events like full right. on and no because I, I was going to come out because Defected just did like a big thing they did. a big festival and I was going to go to that but I was like I was like, let me let me just go London 
for the gig let me not chance it because I think to travel there you have to get like tested like twice and yes. you have to pay to do COVID tests over there right it's a lot yeah you've got to I think you've got to yeah yes yeah, yeah I know darling that's why I was like <laughs> I'll see you guys in October <laughs> <laughs> for sure and in October when you come here I mean obviously you've got body mm-hmm. movements and I think there's after parties as well but I'm sure there'll be like an after after party you can come to and to... I know but I but I know but I can't even mind you I'm gonna be masked triple masked up because you know when you Fair as enough. a traveler you go to the place you make sure you you're negative when you get there yeah. but you cannot be positive going back no you cannot they'll, they'll be like your your ass they'll be like your ass gotta stay in London and you know I'm used to paying rent living in New York, but I'm like, you know, London is pricey too, so I don't know. You, know? <laughs> you don't want to do that for two weeks by yourself as well. It sounds nice. Yeah, but right. You want to be out doing stuff or being back in right. New York, sure. Mm-hmm. And whereabouts in um, New York are you based? Where's You said Bushwick? Yeah, like basically like Br- Brooklyn. Yeah. Is that where you grew up to? No, no, I'm suburban, darling. I grew up in New Jersey, really close to... Um, like New York and New Jersey, they kind of like run across the river. So yeah. I grew up in a part of Jersey really close to like Washington Heights. So that's like uptown New York. Yeah. So I, I kind of always came to New York and blossomed there yeah. as like a child. Like my mother would take me to New York. But because when you say Jersey, everyone is like, oh, like like Newark. And I'm like, no, not not that part. So, yeah. <laughs> the other part. <laughs> the, the other part. You know, the, 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 the closer to the tri-state part, you know. Yeah. So like you said, you kept, you used to come over to New York and be yeah. like, oh, I want to I wanna live here or just kind of go, oh, these yeah, are my I people. Yeah, my mom, you could, yeah, you could always, even my mom, you you could act, so she always said when she would bring me, she would, she would, she reminded me that I would always say as a child, I'm going to live in New York. This is where I want to be. And I would oh, wow. beg her, I'm like, why can't we move to New York? And she would be like, it's too expensive. No, 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 no. And as soon as I graduated college, I was like, pack up my shit and I was like you can you drop me off at this place and she was like why I was like I'm moving to New York (laughs) (laughs) so I just I moved to New York and I was just staying on my friend's couch because it was just like I just needed to be around a certain frequency so Mm -hmm. yeah and that's when you also were like this is the nightlife in New York is the space that I want to be around yeah it was I kind of just I just threw my I threw myself out there and it and it and it stuck (laughs) It definitely did stick. Look at you now. <laughs> I mean, you know, doing doing interviews, you know, still as a as an older auntie, <laughs> as a gra- as a granny, you know. A granny. No, not at all. <laughs> well, look, I mean, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Right. Um thank-, thank you so much. No, thank you so much. I know it's been really, really lovely to to get to know a bit more about you. Um and we'll see you very soon in London. Yeah, I'll, I'll see you at the gig, and then and then we could talk. It wouldn't just be a picture. It won't just be a picture. We'll actually have a right. conversation. <laughs> Great picture, though. Right. right, thank you. Be safe, darling. You too. Take care. Bye. Yeah. No, meet me at Mood Range. Yeah. The Vibe Bar. You know the one, bitch. Stop playing with me. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening to RA's Exchange with Cakes to Killer and Helena Starr. Our full archive is available for you to take in. If you enjoyed this episode, you might like to listen to my conversation with the British record producer Fraser T. Smith. Our chat is available on all platforms right now.
I will have a new episode for you next week. Until then, take care. Back again, hard looking on rocks, and I'm gonna put the rhyme on the chest of my spot. But you look at me, stick a make the cherry